Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Of Oilers now, Bob Stoffer joining you from Ottawa. I did not mention this, but uh, for the fourth time this season, uh, which is three times too many, because usually this happens once a year. Uh, twice we flew back from Calgary, once in preseason, once after that nasty game in Calgary, uh, back in second last game that Todd McClellan coached. Uh, both times, no air pressure, no cabin pressure on the plane, so we had to wait for another plane from our carrier. Uh, which delayed us a couple of hours. Uh, then in Montreal on Super Bowl Sunday, we got stuck on the par- tarmac for four hours. That had nothing to do with the carrier. It was just uh, regulations in Quebec and the in- inability at that time to fly out. Last night, the plane that the orders were supposed to have that was supposed to be in at 4.30, uh, by the time it showed up, a uh, big snowstorm in Toronto. So we sat in the bus outside uh, the uh, holding area for about uh, two hours and got into Ottawa around 3.45 in the morning. Oilers and Senators tonight. This is Oilers Now, brought to you by Digitex, PCs, copiers, supplies, printers, laptops, IT, plotters, software. Now Digitex can manage your your corporate cell phone plans, saving your company money, all your devices managed at digitex.ca. Craig Anderson against... Miko Koskinen, second of a back-to-back. We're going to go straight off to our River Creek Resort Casino hotline, 780-496-0063. Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication and solar. Uh, Brian, when you have those sort of things happen to a team, especially when you're playing a back-to-back, and ironically it's the second time this season in the regular season it's been on the heels of a, a back-to-back I do I do find it maybe sometimes reveals a little about the team, a little about the character of the team having overcome stuff like that. I mean, these are first-world problems for most of our listeners, but never more so than ever before is there a focus on sports science and sleep patterns and all those sort of things. Well, I don't think it's a small thing. You're right, it's a first-world problem. And I can just... Even from here in Toronto, I can hear people in Edmonton shaking their heads. How dare these overpaid guys complain about charter aircraft travel? But the fact of the matter is, and I said it on national TV last night, I said the Edmonton Oilers, who have just had a tough loss, are looking at a a one- to two-hour delay before they get off the ground. There's a foot of snow here. What is that in centimeters? 20 centimeters? 30. There's 30 centimeters of snow here. And it's warm today, and the and the snow is melting. It's uh, minus seven. It's warmed up to, but a lot of the snow is melting because of the salt on the roads. And um, it's a disaster here. We're not equipped to handle that type of snow like there in Alberta. So I knew they'd get stiffed on the runway last night. And I got news for you: sleep is important in a back-to-back, and it's aggravating sitting on a bus. And does it affect your competitive ability? Yes, we'd all like to say no, but it does. 
Well, and uh, as you know, the, the hotel in Ottawa and the arena is not downtown. It's out in Canada. Uh, so I don't know if you guys stayed out of Brook Street, but that's where we're out at. And I just, you know, the only thing that made it enjoyable for us is we, you know, arguably the greatest player in the history of the game. It's He's on the fun bus. There is the... Uh, the player bus after a game, which after a game like that is referred to as the rolling prison uh, because nobody's saying anything. And then there's the media bus, which is known as the you-know-what and giggles bus because we can sit back and, you know, maybe consume an adult, an adult beverage or, or, or two or possibly three. And, you know, so for us it's not quite as bad, but the players want to eat, they want to rehydrate. Uh, with water and that sort of thing. And, you know, these guys are, they got a fuel the machine, so to speak. I've kind of, I don't know about you, Brian, but I've kind of given up on fueling the machine, and my wife's not too happy that I've given up in that regard. But you know what I'm saying here. Like, these guys, there's a degree of professionalism on the sports science that comes into it that's a factor for players. No question. That's what I'm saying. I know there are people shaking their heads saying that's garbage. Guys making $4 million a year can't complain about travel. The fact is, your body's on a pattern. Your body's on a cycle. You're playing it back-to-back, not getting to eat or rehydrate. They probably would have had water on the bus. But sitting on a bus, upright position, hours and hours, it does add up. It's not conducive to winning. It is going to be a distraction. It is going to tire them out. Now, my guess is, they have to be so sour after the way that game yes. ended last night that they should be ready to go tonight. The, the, the bizarre thing is they played a good first period. Like I'm, I'm doing the game for Sportsnet, and I'm like, okay, that's a good first period against an elite team. And then all hell broke loose. So clearly we saw separation. And, and what's happened here for Edmonton against Tampa Bay, San Jose, and now Toronto, the orders have been taken to the woodshed, and they've been opened up, and they've been – and the Edmonton doesn't have scoring depth up front, so they can't come at you wave after wave after wave with their forward units. And then in terms of their defense, and Peter Shirelli was the guy that said this on our show. He said, we don't have the type of D that can move the puck, which obviously frustrated the fans because they're like, well, wait a sec here. You inherited Clefbaum and Nurse. You were supposed to address that. Uh, but I think games like last night for an organization, can they not provide clarity in many ways, Brian? Yes. Things get exposed. The the better the teams you play, the more your deficiencies get exposed. Now, I'm not going to join in the collective Peter Shirelli grave digging that's going on right now in, in Alberta. He did some things that were wrong, and he did some things that were good. He did his best. Um, but I, I will say, what was exposed last night was a defense that's not mobile enough. Yep. Um, yep forward group that's not deep enough. I thought the Leafs did a great job eliminating Connor McDavid, basically making him ineffective. I don't think it was that he didn't try or didn't play that well as much as constant pressure a sixth length away from John Tavares and or Morgan Riley. Yeah. Um, you know you know what, as I recall here, did you, when you took over from GM, did you fire Mike Babcock? I didn't fire Mike Babcock. He was the coach of the Anaheim Ducks in 05 when I took over. He had finished the season. He did not begin the season. And what happened was, and I like Mike, and I think he's a good coach, but 
he doesn't like the same brand of hockey that I like. And I like okay. it black and blue. I've never walked out of an arena once saying, ooh, that was too rough for me. So we agreed to part ways. I knew Detroit was interested in him, and I said, you know what, Mike? You're a good guy. You're a good coach. But we got to be on the same wavelength. And uh, and so I let him out of his contract. Uh, he went to Detroit, and I brought in Randy Carlisle. And you won a cup with Randy in 07, and Mike won a cup in 08. But where I'm going with this is you would say that, uh, you know, Mike did do some good things with the Ducks. He took that team to the final, as I recall correctly, back in 2003. Where I'm going with this is, uh, to me, fair criticism of Peter is on the uh, pro-player procurement because the Oilers have, you know, they've lost some trades. And on cap management, because Edmonton's up against it. But the one area that he has to get credit for is putting together the right structure and process where we're starting to see some growth with drafting and development in the organization. Would you agree or disagree with that assessment? 100%. I mean, look at what's happening in Bakersfield. It's it's magical. And can it trend? I mean, I've only got the Oilers as a 5 or 6 out of 10, Brian because I don't want to puff up our chest, especially in the year that we're having this year, a five or six in terms of prospects not in the NHL. Uh, I think by next year they'll be up to a six and seven because they're going to be transitioning, you know, Bouchard and Sam Rukoff out of London and Guelph respectively on defense and Ryan McLeod and Kirill Maximoff, a couple forwards out of the OHL, will be down in Bakersfield as well. And at that point... You know, two-thirds of the team will be prospects instead of half the team. So, you know, I just I, – I, I'd say that there's one – of the, one of the things is – and you've said it just back to Peter here for a second. You do believe he pretty much had full autonomy. Yes. Yeah, so do I. All right. The trade deadline. What struck you as, as the most unique thing that occurred? Was it how late it took for the Mark Stone trade to go down? No, I think uh, once they allowed teams to talk contract with them, that put a big break on the whole process. Um, and I think it was smart they did that, and I think it allowed them to get a maximum return. But once they said teams can talk money, now it bogs down. Because Team A wants to present its proposal, Team B, Team C, you know, so on. So I think um, I, I thought Winnipeg really helped themselves, Columbus, Vegas. Um, we'll see how this all works out regarding price tags. I mean, it's like I said on TV, trade deadline, making deals is like drinking in Vegas. It's a lot of fun until the bill comes. <laughs> and so it, it's, you know, to me, if Columbus is wrong, if they don't make the playoffs or lose in the first round, don't re-sign any of the three big guys, that's a disastrous decision by them. Does that, they, they won't recover from that for decades. Um hmm. Dallas brings in Zuccarello, he breaks his arm. Uh, you look at teams loading up and you say, realistically, how far can they go, even with the new assets? So, What is the closest, I asked you this before we went on air, Brian Burke joining us for Canadian Power Pack. Do you recall a trade that never went through or was almost consummated and either you ran out of time or it just didn't feel right in your gut, and it worked out for you that you didn't make the deal. You did not make the trade. Well, as you know, I was never a big trade deadline guy. I think the trade deadline results in a lot, a ton of mistakes. 
And I checked again with the NHL, Bob. I checked again. Okay. They only one Stanley Cup. They're only awarding one Stanley Cup this year. I checked again. So are you sure? Are you sh- are you sure of that? That there's only one. I checked. I asked. So 14 teams blow their brains out, adding players, trading draft picks, and they're still. And again, I'm certain of this. I checked. There's only one Stanley Cup. Only one parade. And so that's why I was never a big deadline guy. And so I was in on some deals at the deadline, um, but usually most of my, you know, I did my stuff in advance of the deadline. It's interesting because Kevin Lowe back in 2006, uh, the Oilers all that season, 05, 06, and, and uh, I preface this by saying, Brian, in 03, 04, the Oilers were a pretty good possession team. They were a good five-on-five team. Mac T had a good handle of structure and process and knowing how to play team defense. I don't necessarily believe that Craig knew how to breed offensive confidence in players, but he certainly could get teams to check. And the Oilers had an average power play because I always thought you bought you buy your power play. Uh, but anyhow, they stepped up and they had goaltending issues all season long between Conklin and Markkinen and uh, Morrison. And Kevin went out and got Dwayne Rolson and gave up a first-round pick to do it. And it sure in heck looked like a pretty, you know, you're giving up a fifth, you know, anywhere from a 10th to 20th overall pick to get a goalie that you're going to have to resign. And it worked. And he got to the seventh game of the Stanley Cup final. Now, he also added Spashik, and he brought in Samsonov. But there was a situation where the Edmonton Oilers, and they may have caught lightning on, in a bottle, but they were actually a decent possession metrics team all season long. And he read the tea leaves, and he got a little bit lucky, and he ran with it, and he got all the way to the final. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, George McPhee told me a story that when they went to the finals in 94, they had uh, lost Peter Nedved. St. Louis had signed him as a free agent. Yes. They, yep. couldn't, they, couldn't, they couldn't agree on compensation. They had the Canucks asked for Shanahan, and uh, St. Louis offered uh, Jeff Brown in a second, I want to say. Yep. Or, or no, was it Jeff Brown? It wasn't Jeff Brown. It was another player. Anyway, oh, Craig Janney in a second. So Craig Janney refuses to report. So at the deadline, Ronnie Caron calls and says, you know, we could probably get Craig Janney to come back here. Would you take Nathan Lafayette, Jeff Brown, or Brad Hedekin? Or some combination of them? Sure. And Pac, sure. Pac Quinn said, um, I won't do it. I think they wanted to teach Janney a lesson for not reporting. Pat said, I won't do it unless we get all three. And they went to the finals. They were a 500 team that year. Those three guys gave them enough depth and enough speed that they went to the Stanley Cup finals. And so Jeff Brown was there. Jeff you know, Brown was there. Who's the winger? Marion, uh, the LA, played for LA, played for Minnesota. Gabrick. Marion Gabrick. Dean Lombardi was telling me, I said, what's your favorite trade deadline story? So we brought in Gabrick. Uh, in 13, I think it was, and he had 16 goals. Dean said, I think I checked. I think it was closer to 14, but he had 14 goals in the playoffs, and they won a cup. So de- you can definitely – there's lots of Cinderella stories that work. The problem is the math doesn't work. So for yeah. every team where it worked and they got to the finals or conference finals or whatever their goal was, for every team that realized its dream, there's three or four that just spent – a very expensive day shopping if nothing comes of it. 
We're joined by Brian Burke, presented by Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. So, Brian, uh, on the heels of last night's lackluster performance from Edmonton, and, you know, let's not forget the goalie gave up two bad goals. Uh, the Oilers got caught on a couple stretch plays and defense. You know, Clefbaum stepped up after a bad line change from Nurse and read, the, you know, read the play the wrong way. And and the Leafs have some skill that can finish some plays off. It seems a little trite to talk about an Edmonton trade deadline where the Oilers didn't do anything. But what would you say to the fans that criticize the organization for for not say getting a fourth or fifth round draft choice for? Uh, a guy like uh, Alex Chason, if, if there was even, I don't even know if there was a fourth offered, but I mean, people are like, well, how can you not trade a, you know, a $650,000 UFA forward that you brought in on a PTO? You know, what would your response to that be? The fact that Edmonton was uh, inactive on the trade deadline? Well, first off, a lot of teams were, I mean, Calgary did well, Calgary made one deal, but Tampa Bay didn't make any, I mean, so they're they're in different positions, obviously. But I'd say to people, what do you what do you think Keith Gretzky should have done? Like, there's not he's not getting calls on lots of players offering picks for guys that no one wants. Essentially, he was kind of hamstrung by the roster and and the cap situation. So I'm not surprised he didn't do much. I'm not I'm surprised he was able to do anything. Right, and I mean they did move Talbot to clear some cap space to provide a little bit of wiggle room so they could do Garnier for Spooner. And I think Sam's happy to be back. Uh, he'll be playing center tonight. I'm going to ask you a question about Toronto. You talked about their skill. Um, they made the trade for Muzzin. So they basically added Jake Muzzin and John Tavares off last year's team that uh, came up just a bit short against Boston. Can they beat the Bruins in a playoff series? Because it looks like those two teams are headed for an inevitable showdown here. Well, everyone's here is convinced they can't because they haven't done it the last couple times. I, I think they're underestimating a guy named John that, that plays for the Leafs that wasn't here last year. I think you saw John Tavares' best game as a Leaf last night. He was a true 200-foot player. He was. Played, fanta- he, played fantastic last night. He was all over 97. All over 97 last night. Eliminated 97 and scored three points or two points. Beautiful yeah. goal where he slipped back in, against the seam in the power play. Um, so that to me is when people say, oh, they can never beat the Browns. Well, they didn't have the center depth now, last year that they have now. And so I'd say it's a little different team, boys. I wouldn't write them out now. I, I don't think their defense is good enough to go far in the playoffs, the, the uh, Leafs. I don't think they're big or mean enough to go far in the playoffs. But am I convinced that Boston's going to take them out in the first round? Nope. And one final one for you, uh, Bob Murray in Anaheim. Now, just to clarify, you never went in as an interim head coach when you were a general manager anywhere in your career, did you? No. He has never been a coach. How do you think he's enjoying this experience? Because the, he wears it on his sleeve. You can literally see him get you know, red and frustrated during the course of the game. It happened again last night. No, how do you think it, Yeah, how, how do you – I mean, that's a – coaching's a tough job, isn't it? Well, it's a tough job 
especially if you've never coached before. I think him going back behind the bench made perfect sense. Leave Dallas Eakins alone for now. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't make it easier fun. I think he's having a miserable time, but he's a he's a miserable guy. I, you can't tell when he's having a good time. He's just a grouch. Oh, <laughs> uh, and he got along great with Peter Shirelli. <laughs> <laughs> Super stuff, Brian. Hey, we'll look forward to talking next week, okay? My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. You bet. That is Brian Burke, presented by Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication, solar. Brian, of course, most recently with the Calgary Flames, longtime NHL executive and uh, uh, GM stints uh, in Anaheim, in Toronto, been involved in Hartford, Vancouver. Great guests to have on the show. Guests on the show receive gift cards from Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Japanese Village, Edmonton South, downtown Northside, and Sherwood Park. Still to come on today's show, Bruce Garriock. But right now, we'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Morgan Black. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.